0: Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's great to be together. I have uh, this morning, I have, I have uh, a welcome for the Advent season. The Advent means arrival. It means that God has come and we're celebrating that. And The title of my lesson this morning is uh, God rescues us because he loves us. And that's the motivation for God is to, is to come down. Rescue humanity. And we talk a lot about love in our church. We talk a lot about relationships in our church and how much we value relationships. And one of the messages last week was is if, if your relationships are without love, it's just religion. We don't want to turn the church into a religious institution where people don't know each other or they come to church and they're they're uncomfortable because they don't know anybody. Now, at first they're going to feel a little uncomfortable because they're our guests. But right away, we should feel our love and our intentionality of our love. And so it's so important to be intentional. And there's a reason why we should be intentional. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. Um, I'm going to take a look of at of a, of a scripture that you may not view it the way I've seen the scripture. You know, I've read this passage in many, many, many Bible studies. I, I read this during the church study. We always go to these passages. And we talk about how awesome God is. He is the image of the invisible God. So there's an invisible God aspect, and then we have Jesus, who is actually visible, right? So the Father invisible, the Son is visible, the firstborn of all creation. It's not. Uh, it's not chronological. It's it's a uh, pregnancy. He's the He's the one and only human, and it says. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. There are things that are in the invisible realm that we don't see because we're in the physical realm. That's what it's saying there. And these are thrones, dominions and rulers and authorities. All these things were created for him and through him you hear that word, dominions and rulers and authorities. You read that in Ephesians 6 where there's a spiritual dominions of darkness. Those are rulers. They rule the cosmos. There is a rebellion. So but what Paul is tapping into and warning us to be on watch that there is not only a physical world, there is a spiritual realm. There's an invisible realm. And this morning I'm going to talk about that. When Jesus was going around, he was going around telling people about Heaven, and what it's like to be in heaven. He also was going around talking about faith. He also was going around talking about Hades. Jesus talked a lot about Hades. He talked a lot about Sheol. That's the Old Testament word for the underworld. And in the New Testament, they call it the Greeks. And the reason why there's Hebrew and the Greek, Greek Bibles is because when the Israelites were dislodged in Jerusalem, a lot of them lived among pagans, Babylonians. And so they forgot in over hundreds of years, many, many, many of them did not speak Hebrew anymore. They spoke the language of whoever ruled them. And when Alexander the Great came, the common language of the area was Greek. So in order to help the Jewish people, the, 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 the rabbis and scholars of Jerusalem translated the Bible from Hebrew to Greek to give to all the Jewish people who no longer spoke Hebrew. So in that translation... They took the word Sheol in the Old Testament Hebrew and they used it, use Hades in the New Testament. So I'm gonna give you a little, little picture of it here. This is their this is their worldview. You know, it's not exactly accurate, but it's it gives you an idea of what the imagery is. They had they believe there was a firmament and there's some platter, preserved, you know, I'm not sure if they're here, but they're there. Right? So they're <laughs> They're flat earth. There's a firmament. That was just their understanding of it. It's not really a firmament, that's just how they viewed the stars and have didn't have satellites and everything like that. And so and so they viewed the earth, they viewed what's under the earth, they viewed that as Shield or Hades or the underworld. And underneath that, there was this place called the Abyss, the Great Deep. So this was their kind of understanding. So this language, this imagery. Is in the scriptures to teach us something, to, to motivate us, to educate us. So Jesus, when he's going around in the different towns, he gives them a little warning. He warns people. Like he was great. Like Jesus was super loving. When the leper came, he healed them. When the blind man came, he you know he put a little saliva of mud in his eyes, and he was amazing. But there's also he, he kind of gave us some reality as well. So he goes, Woe to you. These are the towns that were going, we rejected Jesus. We don't want him here. Leave our town. He He's kind of going around town to town, doing some miracles and, and, and teaching about God. And, and they rejected him. This is what he says: Woe to you, Khorazum, woe to you, Bazada. These are the t- local towns in the northern part of uh, Galilee. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sedan, they would have repented long ago. Tyre and Sedan are like non- areas, non-Jewish. In fact, they were pagans. So if I these miracles over there. They wouldn't believe, but the people that were supposed to believe in me did not believe it. So he kind of, he kind of gives them some some admonishment here. Uh, they were repenting, sitting in San and ashes. but it'll be more bearable for Tyre Sedan at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you'll be, will you be lifted to heavens? No. You'll go down To Hades, you start wondering, "Wow, what is Hades? What is that place? What is Sheol?" I mean, when I talk to some disciples, they don't really understand what that is. And so, but it's all over the Scripture. So this morning, I hope to celebrate the Advent by teaching a little bit about uh, the importance of our love and how intentional we ought to be, we should be, with others.
1: You know, it it starts I'm it's going to go over a few
0: times the word shield is used in the Bible. It's used in the Bible in Genesis 37 verse 35. This is where Jacob, his son Joseph, he finds out he's dead. He's not really dead. He thinks he's dead. His brothers sold him into, into slavery, right? So he thinks he's dead. And so he says this. This is a righteous man with a righteous family. And this is what he says. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him but he refused to be comforted. I can understand that. He he son, my son's gone. I'm totally torn up. I can't hear. here when I'm struggling. Don't comfort me. Let me let me just do my you know my misery. No, I shall go down into Sheol. I shall go down into this grave, this this underworld. So my son, mourning. Thus his father wept for him. There was this fear that you would be left. Down in Sheol, that you—the hope was that God would rescue you when you're there. So when you pass, when, when everyone who's passed up until now is in what the Hebrews would call Sheol, what the Greeks would call Hades—they're there. And the hope is God will rescue us from that place. God will bring us out of Hades into what we want to be called heaven. There are very few. There are very few humans. Who are in heaven that skipped Hades. Maybe you know who, who was going to on. are. One of them was Elijah. He didn't go down to Hades. He skipped it. Enoch was another one. Right? So if you guys that you know, the guys like, yeah, come on in. But for the rest of us, most likely, we're going to be down there with Jacob and his sons. So the righteous are in Sheol. And then there was this really, really evil clan called Korah. And they opposed Moses and they And they uh, were rejecting God's decision to appoint Moses to lead the Israelites. They didn't like it. They were jealous. They were upset. And so they rebelled against God. And and so there was a test and say who would who would who would who did God choose? And Moses said, "If God chose me and He didn't choose you, the ground will swallow you up." And so. This verse in Numbers 16, verse 32, is the ending of this rebellion. And look what the Hebrew Bible says. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol. The earth closed over them and they perished. In the midst of the assembly, and the Greek, the Hades says, "There's a Greek god in Hades, and in Homer's uh, literature, whenever you put on the helmet of Hades, you were invisible." So this is an invisible realm. This is an invisible reality. This is something we don't see. This is what Colossians says: there are things visible and invisible that are parallel to us. We just don't see them. It's a catchword they use because Hades is not on this earth. Shield is not on the earth. It's not heaven. But it's a place where the righteous and the evil both go. The exceptions are Enoch, Elijah, and, and maybe maybe both. Who knows. And it's an alternate reality that you can't actually go and visit unless you're, you die. Jesus says there'll be judgment for the ones who rejects him, they'll end up in Hades. So this is a very important topic as we talk about. Jesus in coming and being birthed and the advent and what do you do? The hope was there wasn't a lot of heaven talk in the Old Testament. The reality was we're going down to the underworld and the hope was God will you rescue us? God please rescue us from the underworld. In Isaiah 26 it gives us a little bit of an imagery of what this place is like. But your dead will live Lord their bodies will rise. Hope, like, hey, how do we get out of here? Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. The answer was like, we hope we wake up and we're in and it's good. We hope that we wake up and we go, yes, I made it. That's the hope. Your due is like the due of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the door behind you. The Hebrew word, there's chambers and hide yourself for a little while until his wrath has passed by. In Jewish literature, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, a lot of Jews had a lot of rabbis had commentary on Hades. And if you ever dip into that material, you'll find out there are, there are different chambers and different rooms in Hades. And these chambers of souls was Sheol. And in Sheol, there are these compartments within it. You know, I remember Jesus saying there are a lot of rooms in my father's house. I'm not sure if you're talking about Hades or heaven, but there are these chambers. And so the hope is that you're in the chambers where it's good and you wake up and it's joyful and it's awesome. So the souls of the dead are pictured as dwelling rooms in the underworld, waiting for the general resurrection when the souls will be reunited with their bodies. Paul talks about it. So you're not in your physical body anymore. Your soul is now in the invisible realm of the underworld. Shield, Hades. So it's, it's amazing. And so there's this, there's this hope that the righteous are in peace and shield. There's this hope that, hey, I live a faithful life. I live a committed life to God. I committed all the way to the end. There is this peace at death in Sheol. The righteous man perishes, and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away, while no one understands For the righteous man is taken away from calamity. He enters into peace. They they dress in their beds, those who wrought righteously. There's this awakening of men. When I go to Sheol, it might not be terrible. It might be good. It might be peaceful. I might have my own room finally. My own closet. Can I I get an amen from the Mary Brothers? Can I get our own closets? We might get in. So that was the hope. That one day they'd wake up in the underworld, in the invisible realm, and it would be good. You know a great idea Hades looks like. If you ever watch Stranger Things, yeah. if you watch that neighborhood, Hades. And there are parts of Hades, Becca's neighborhood, that were worse than others. There was some general negativity. But when you got to certain places, it was really bad, right? Hades. Yeah. It's an invisible realm. And within Becca's world, there's a place that has Jesus, that's peace and restfulness. So that's just an idea. So Jesus gives us this, this pair of and the, 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 the Pharisees have become greedy, and they're not rich toward God anymore. They once they started off great, but they got, they got messed up along the way. It's like being, it's like being a Christian. When you first start out, you're, it's awesome. And then you get into the marathon mode. like well, and you're, just kind of, you're slowing down. And you're slowing down. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They slowed down, and other things caught their attention. And what caught their attention was money. And greed and manipulation. They kind of straight away, and in their hearts, Jesus goes, I want to give you a parable about this. And he mentions Hades in this parable. that the souls of, of the bodies are, 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 are separated. And so here is his parable. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Now, it's not us, but it was a guy there. And his gate was a lady beggar named Lazarus. Now, it's interesting, this is the only parable that Jesus ever taught where he uses someone's name. All the other parables of farmers, the birds, the sea, all of a sudden, what's that name? This. this one was super clear. And what the scholars believe, that this was a real interaction that Jesus had with Lazarus, and he's just repeating the story. Because it's the only time he ever uses someone's name. Covered with sores, longing to eat for one what from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The dogs still not do that. The time came when the baker died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried
1: in Hades.
0: Now, some of your old versions might say hell. Oh, it's a mistranslation. The Greek is not himself because there's nobody in hell, it's unoccupied. There's nobody there. Everyone's in Hades. Hell is after the final judgment comes. Then the devil, his angels, the authorities, all the evil goes there. Right now, there's no one there. Right. So you can't tell someone to go to hell because you just can't can't get in. You just can't get in. Can't get in. Right. In Hades, where there is torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away, by Lazarus, by his side. Underworld compartments, the Old Testament talk, rooms and chambers. So there's a section of beings that that, that there's, there's some torment going on. There is not, it's not a good situation. And verse 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and pull my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. It's a temporary right? This is a temporary place. We know it now. It's in the New Testament. We know it's a temporary place of punishment. He's talking to the Pharisees here. But Abraham replied, son, remember that you in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is being comforted here. He's rejoicing and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot. And you cannot come, you cannot cross over from there to us. These chambers, the final destination when one passes away, it's irreversible. You cannot change it. There is no there is no purgatory where you can say enough prayers or light enough candles for your lost loved ones. And hopefully they, they cannot switch sides. This is why your love has to be intentional. Right. Because there's a lot at stake. I know as Christianity is awesome we love each other, but Jesus talked more about Hades than He did about faith. He talked more about money than he did about faith. He expects us to be faithful, but he's also very one who Like he, he doesn't want anyone to go, like, Well, oh, I didn't know. Now you know, is want anyone to go. Well, Lord, if you only would have told me, only you would, would have done this. Right. Now you know that your love has to be intentional. So you, those around you, your friends, your family, your kids, is irreversible. Once you're there, you're there. And it's a temporary chamber holding place until the final judgment. All right. And those who are in torment there is a precursor of what, what hell would help be like. It's a precursor. That's so serious. I don't want to be a dipping downer, but it's as much as this is why Jesus came to rescue us from Hades. He comes to rescue. He comes to, to help us. Let me give you a few examples here that God, you know, God's pretty uh, uh pretty clear about some of the things here. So in 2 Peter, uh, uh, Peter talks about these angels who sin. Well, we're in the Bible the angels sin or the old testament in Genesis 6. The sons of God came down and, and, and married human women and had children and created giants and they were the enemies of Israel. A lot of problems for God. So, for God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to your Bible to say hell, the Greek word is Tartarus. Tartarus is where Zeus sent the giant Titans into Hades for punishment. So, in down there, in underneath Sheol, in the great deep, is Tartarus. That is the abyss that is the part of his kid. God put him there and he closed the chamber and he locked it up. Those are the guys who sinned in Genesis 6. They are in there. And they are trapped in there. When Jesus met the demoniac, what, do you, what did the demoniac say? The, 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 the dead spirits of the nephilim says, Lord Jesus, don't send us to the new abyss because his homies are there. His parents are there. Don't send me to there, please. And so Jesus sets him into the pits and he drowns him for the second time. The first time was the blood. The second time was the pigs, right? Humor in the Bible. And so the great deep under Sheol in another chamber are the angels who sing because they're not perfect. There's only one perfect being and that's God. Angels aren't perfect. They're going to be held there in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, it did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people. Those sons of God, those angels the catch-all term in the New Testament, they taught mankind to harm themselves, to kill themselves, to militarize themselves, to abuse themselves because they hate humanity. That's why they got that punishment. What's well, because they made the made Giants they they, they depraved mankind to a point where God flooded the earth Because that's how devious mankind had become because of their influence Think about it. the influence that are still the powers of darkness today, social media influence All the things that are trying to get you to think a certain way So there's this example that I'm playing in First Peter. And then Jude, the brother of Jesus he mentions them again, he goes, Hey, the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. They left heaven And these kids kept in darkness bound with an everlasting genes for judgment on the great day. And then he goes in a similar way: Son and Gomorrah and the surrounding town gave themselves up to sexual morality. That's the context. They came down and they, they took women and they had children that were that were, you know, giants, and they serve as an example of those who saw the punishment. If you ever look at ancient literature of Mexico and Egypt and the ancient Near East and the Amorites, in their literature, they build these pyramids. You know who they say to build the pyramids in their literature? Giants. Okay? So there's something around around the world of all these pyramids in Mexico and Egypt and all these, these areas of the massive. Their literature says the giants built those. We're like, are the giants. You know, last night I was talking to a guy who's six foot six. I told him. You know, you, you, know something happened. I want to strike you down, brother, because yeah. you are up there. You're, you're a few is short of the light. to So there's this, these consequences of this, this eternal, great deep that God sends these rebellious, um, spiritual beings into the underworld, and then you have this passage. This is a fully loaded passage. I mean, when you read this back, you're like, what in the world? I skipped to the Baptist part. I don't mind you, I do know what happened then. Yeah. So let me tell you what happens. Jesus, when he's dead, where does he go? He goes down into Hades. He goes down into the deepest part of Hades. To those who disobeyed long ago, when? Oh, in the days of Noah. Who were that? Oh, from rebellious angels, from angels. He goes down into the abyss down there and he taught me, he proclaims. He made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, and though few people ate and all were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism the now saves you. Jesus, why how does Peter know? Where does Peter get this information? Well, in the book of Enoch, Enoch is the one who talks to the spirits down there. And the spirits say, hey, Enoch, can you even tell God oh, we're so super so we're so sorry? Can you get us out of here? So God, Enoch goes to God, God was done. So Enoch goes back into the abyss and tells the spirits, sorry man, you're stuck. That's where Peter gets the story. He goes, Jesus goes down there and he tells them. You shouldn't have done that. I'm going to resurrect, and I'm going to escape Hades, because death has no power over me. And it will not have any power over those who follow me. That's what Jesus said. I saw Satan fall from the sky. You know what that means? It means that anyone who follows Jesus, death has no hold over them. Hades won't be able to hold you, because God will rescue you. That's the language he uses. That's so encouraging. I'm so glad Jesus came. Right? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's love Christmas. What's, what's, what's the relationship between Sheol and God? Well, God says, look, the Roman dead is naked before me. I will swallow it up. It will not exist after the last judgment. He'll swallow Hades it up, <laughs> over. Because those who, who are the righteous will go to heaven. And those who are the ones who are not I mean, the unrighteous, they're going to get pushed right into the lake of fire, right into the canner, right over that. That's not good. So it was no more. I have complete control of what goes on down there.
1: And this is why the song,
0: if you recognize the song, if you read your Bible enough, you will recognize the song. If you read your Bible enough, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will, will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one or holy one see the cave. Who used that song? In Acts chapter 2, Peter gives his first sermon to explain to the Jews that Jesus rose from the dead. And he quotes that psalm because death dead cannot keep his hold on Jesus. Now, our hope is that we will not be abandoned to the realm of the dead. That was the hope. I don't want to be left here. And, and Peter quotes the song in his first sermon, and 3,000 Jewish men and women respond and are baptized. Amazing. Because they understand, they get it. They get it. When I'm dead, when I'm older, or when I'm young, or something happens to me tragically, that's where people go. That's where they end up. They end up in Sheol or Hades.
1: This is Hosea
0: chapter thirteen. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. It's God talking. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plague? Where, O death, O grave, is your destruction? Paul quotes that in First Corinthians fifteen when he talks about the resurrection. Where is where is your sting, O death? Because God will rescue his faithful from the grave. He'll rescue you from Sheol. He'll rescue you from Hades. That's why it's so important that you stay committed to Jesus to the end. I know it's rough. I know you have bad seasons. I know sometimes your marriage is horrible. So is mine. I understand you fight with each other. I understand you can get bitter with each other. I get all that. You get angry with each other. You're hurt by one another. We get that. But don't lose your commitment to Jesus. Amen. Don't ever lose it. Amen. I know the church is wonky and messed up half the time. Yes, I understand because I need the church, right? I see the problems. I know the I see them. And I'm like, I ain't got yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's the church. It's the of the, the disciples. Like, that's who we are sometimes. We miss the Toys. That's us. That's not. Awesome. Sometimes you feel like, is the church going to make it? Yes, is the state faithful? Yes, they devoted. Yes, they committed. Yes, yes to all these things. Because at the end, we can say, where oh death is your sting? Where oh death, oh grave is your destruction? Because he will deliver us. Isn't that awesome. That's why Jesus came. It's called advent. It's called the arrival. That's the best. Take this Amazon card back. I want Jesus, right? <laughs> right? Of course, we spend it there to take it you, right? It's an amazing present. It's an amazing gift. This is all in the scriptures. This is all here. This is why our love has to be intentional. I want you to make a list of people. And you're, I don't know if you want to write it down make like mental health, or put it in your little notes. I want you to make a list of people. That are in your life that you intentionally love in the hopes of bringing them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one way you do that is by sharing your transformational experience with Jesus when it's appropriate. You know, it's such a read off, right? Have like a like fellowship, hang out a few times. You know, I always know uh, when I'm in someone's big graces when I start cursing. Like, oh, God, he normal now, right? I'm in. Mean, once they start cursing, I'm like, I'm in. We're friends, you know. At first, I was always proper. Especially when I asked me what I minister. I think it really proper for a little while. So I got to hang out with extra, 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 and then they started talking the vulgar out. I'm like, yes, we are friends. Because I want him just to be himself. Because that's what I want to share my story. I want to share my transformation. So it takes time, but be intentional. So make a list because you know, I check it twice, right? And you want the not ones on there too, right? <laughs> the nautilus, non- right? Yeah. But you also want those who, you know, that are faithful to this. So it's, it's a balance of, hey, okay, there's a nautilus non- and there's a good list right? So you want to vote. You want to encourage the cycles and you want the nautilus non- you want to encourage them, right? You're just doing it both, right? You're just like Santa, right? Don't vote. Those around you, your friends, your family. I went to a party last night with my neighbor at a tamale. Right? We were there eating tamales and drinking different spirits and had, having a good time and, and it was great and um, fellowshipping, and, you know, and it's just awesome to meet people. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking to create my list because I want to invest time in them. I want to invest my life into them. That's why if we don't do that it, without love. It's just religion. We want to be that we want to be these people We want to be the people of God.
1: So I hope this encourages you in the Advent
0: season. To kick off the Christmas season is that Jesus comes and we stand some great songs. We're also going to take communion right now. And I want you to think about your relationship with God. I want you to think about that in the realm that's invisible. Okay? Let's bow our heads in okay? God, thank you so much for just this opportunity to reflect on you and the, the, the words of Jesus and the reality of Bible, this great amazing story of life. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for rescuing us from the realm of death. Um, we're so looking forward to waking up and shouting for joy, God. be happy that we died faithful to you. we committed our life to you, God. We're so thankful for this time. Thank you for the sacrifice of the amazing, the amazing, and the one and only Jesus to die on the cross, but also just be born and live, live with us as humans. And I raised from the dead. Thank you so much